there is no one magical pill that will make uh, you know all of the bad stuff go away and will make you live forever, right? So it needs to be an effort on a daily basis. Welcome to the Simlon podcast. I'm your host Simlund, and our guest today is Dr. Yelena Seranova. Yelena has a PhD in stem cell biology and autophagy from the University of Birmingham. She also has a master's degree in translational neuroscience and is the founder of NMN Bio. In this episode, we talk about the details of the process of autophagy and how does it work with NAD. This episode is brought to you by Self-Decode. Self-Decode is a genetics decoding company. You can get personalized health recommendations based on your DNA and the latest scientific research. They have numerous different DNA reports for different areas of focus like weight loss, longevity, gastrointestinal health, cognition and even mood. Recently, Self-Decode came out with their 2.0 software that incorporates artificial intelligence in generating DNA reports. Is the most advanced and comprehensive consumer DNA service in the world. You can get a 10% discount with the code SEAM at selfdecode.com. Head over to selfdecode.com and use the code SEAM for a 10% discount on your personalized DNA reports. Dr. Elena, welcome to the show. Yes, it's, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to talk with you uh, because you know, you're one of the um, few uh, scientists who actually does you know research about this thing called autophagy and uh, that's something that uh, I am really uh, interested in myself and a lot of people are also curious about and uh, yeah you have like a full um, uh, like a scholar profile full of different kind of uh, studies that you've been involved with about autophagy and those kind of things um, so how did you become let's say like an autophagy scientist? Yeah, so I'm actually an interdisciplinary scientist, and I guess that I always was um, really eager to learn, and um, I sometimes call myself an information junkie, <laughs> because I really love absorbing new information. So I actually started my studies with psychology, and I did my bachelor's degree in psychology, a bit of cognitive neuroscience there. And, and then I realized that I, I'm really fascinated by the human brain. So I started studying neuroscience um, at first myself. And then I found this really um, interesting um, master's degree in translational neuroscience, which is basically neuroscience and, and genetics. And this is when I first got involved with uh, wet lab biology research. And I got fascinated by it again because I got to grow cells and, and do cool molecular biology experiments on them. And this is when I decided to continue my studies um, in this area. And I, I did my PhD at the University of Birmingham in the UK in autophagy and stem cell biology, where I was studying um, different mechanisms um, related to neurodegeneration in stem cell derived models. And the main mechanism that I was studying was autophagy. And this eventually led me to studying um, other areas such as NAD biology and uh, cell metabolism and so on. Mm. Yeah, there's a really like um, really popular all these topics like stem cells and NAD and autophagy. So yeah, you must be feeling like, you know, on top of the world in terms of uh, choosing uh, this right uh, topic <laughs> <laughs> to uh, pursue in your life. Yeah. Well, it's um, autophagy is a very essential mechanism, as we will, um, you know, talk about it uh, today in more depth. And it, it's very crucial for, you know, for multiple cellular functions. And without it, cells literally cannot survive. And on top of that, uh, autophagy is also related to to NAD as well. And this is when I came across, um, you know, the, this popular um, subjects such as NAD boosters. And this is why I started my current company as well, which is NMN. Bio. Bio, um, which offers 
uh, anti-aging supplements with with focus on NAD boosters in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we'll, let's start with uh, what is autophagy and how does it work. So you have like some slides also that you prepare for us, and yes. yeah, you can just uh, share the screen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I would be happy to do this. Let me just this here. So. Um, Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, just bear with me, please. So what is autophagy is the question of the day. And we will start by stating that autophagy is, uh, is basically a vital homeostatic pathway essential for cellular survival and human health. So what does this actually mean? We're going to talk about this in great detail today. Um, first, we will provide an overview of the autophagic mechanism. So it starts with the formation of the so-called phagophore, which is a double membrane structure. Um, and uh, what the phagophore does is that it engulfs different dysfunctional organelles and aggregate from proteins and other um, compartments of the cell that need to be digested because they're not serving the cell anymore. And this process can be triggered by multiple pathways. Some of them are mTOR dependent and some of them are mTOR independent. And uh, there, there are some agents, some, some pharmacological agents and natural compounds that can activate all these pathways. For example, rapamycin is a hot topic right now, um, but it actually um, acts through mTOR. Um, and then, you know, there are other agents as just carbamazepine or chehalose, which is actually a disaccharide that you can put in your coffee instead of your sugar and activate your, um, your mTOR independent autophagy pathways as well. Um, so back to the phagophore, uh, what it does is that it engulfs all the cargo that needs to be digested, and then uh, the autophagosome is being formed um, from, from this. Um, later on, uh, the autophagosome is fused with the late endosome and then the lysosome, which is another um, organelle in the cell, and it is acidic, and it contains acidic hydrolases that basically digest this cargo, and um, they, they break it down into, um, into essential building blocks within the cell, such as amino acids and fatty acids. So the reason why autophagy is um, so important is that it's because it's implicated in so many diseases and we have seen in in multiple situations where autophagy is somehow impaired or dysregulated, where we're seen with different um, pharmacological agents again or natural compounds that if we do fine tune the autophagic process within the cell, we actually can, uh, can see beneficial results. So for example, in neurodegenerative diseases, um, the burden for neuronal cells in neurodegeneration is usually dysfunctional mitochondria and aggregate prone proteins. Those are um, the top two um, kind of um, dysfunctional materials that need to be digested within the neuron for it to, to function properly. And we're, we've seen some uh, benefits with autophagy inducers such as rapamycin and, and trehalose and so on. Um, and uh, same applies to liver diseases and myopathies, infections, diseases where, where upregulation of autophagy is beneficial. Um, in cancer, autophagy actually has a dual role because sometimes the cancer cells are hijacking the mechanism of autophagy in order to survive. To, to survive. And this is where we're using autophagy blockers, actually. Mm -hmm. um, 
and so on. And then in aging, uh, we do see that there is a decline in autophagy that correlates with aging. And it again, um, you know, causes accumulation of damaged organelles and reactive oxygen species and so on. So again, uh, upregulating our autophagy as, as we uh, get old is, is quite beneficial for the cell. And this is reflected in how many diseases it's um, organ diseases, uh, it's implicated, but also in, in, in systemic um, illnesses such as cancer or, or um, you know, autoimmune disorders, metabolic syndromes, um, and even viral infections. So we see how important this, uh, this mechanism of autophagy is, and that without it, the, uh, the, the, all, all of our tissues would be um, doing quite, um, quite badly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Uh, I I also have seen like on some of this research about um, how involved autophagy is uh, in everything. <laughs> like uh, it's it's involved with uh, the immune system, involved with the microbiome, the brain, and mm-hmm. uh, just general eating and so so. But like you know, I think most people have this idea that autophagy is kind of this uh, thing, like this um, like a robot or a Pac-Man <laughs> that is uh, going through throughout the entire body and cleaning up things. Um, but it's not like uh, it's actual, you can't like really pinpoint it or you can't identify this thing called autophagy inside the body. There are these autophagy zones that uh, illustrate or uh, reflect the process of autophagy, but autophagy itself as a thing isn't like, uh, it's not like insulin that your body produces and you can like pinpoint. It's more of like a... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is why um, we're seeing how in, in, in different concepts, when we upregulate autophagy, how many things are basically being fixed within the cell. So we can see here that we have reduced accumulation of, you know, of toxic proteins in the cell. We have um, um, improved removal of, of pathogens such as viruses as well. So autophagy actually has um, quite a few arms. So there is the bulk autophagy within the cell, and then we have the selective autophagy that has um, that is responsible for uh, disposing certain substrates. For example, the arm of autophagy that is responsible for um, uh, for digesting um, dysfunctional mitochondria is called mitophagy, or the arm of autophagy that is getting rid of viruses that are getting um, into the cells is called virophagy. Um, and so it's implicated in, in, you know, in improved immune responses, in reduced inflammatory responses within the cell. It protects the cell from, uh, from, uh, from apoptosis or necrotic cell death. Um, it, um, it, improved autophagy is also, um, um, it's also related to reduced cellular senescence and avoidance of oncogenesis. So it's very, very good for you. It's very good for longevity. And if you are interested in, you know, being healthier for longer autophagy is definitely something that you have to keep in mind and uh, you you also have to strive to 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 be increasing your autophagy throughout your life on a regular basis in order to get all of this benefit mm-hmm. but uh yeah you, you also mentioned that it involved in like cancers as well so it um, has like some negative side effects as well so how do you know you know how much of this autophagy is good and uh, when does it become uh, harmful 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, in cancers, it's a very specific kind of um, a kind of situation where you see that uh, the cancer cells are actually relying on autophagy to survive. And this is why you want to actually take autophagy blockers as a complementary cancer therapy, which is a strategy that has been um, that has been implemented in various clinical trials and, and it has shown some uh, beneficial effects. But 90% uh, of it of the time, autophagy will actually be good for you. So if you don't have active cancer in your cell, autophagy is, is definitely a very good beneficial mechanism for you to activate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I understand, then there's all, always some sort of autophagy happening inside the body in some shape or form. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just that during certain activities, like it increases exp uh, exponentially higher. Um, so um, yeah, like what, what ways of to increase it? And uh, like, yeah, how much again uh, do you need in terms of that? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, in order to understand how to increase it, we need to know what activates it. So what activates autophagy is the signal of starvation where we have decreased um, extracellular nutrients or growth factor de deprivation, which has to do with block in nutrient uptake. So when we have this environment where the cell realizes, wait a minute, so there's actually not many nutrients um, around me. And um, it realizes that it needs to build, it needs more nutrients to survive, or it somehow needs more uh, materials in order to build whatever needs to be built. So this is where autophagy is getting activated. And then um, uh, it degrades all of this uh, unwanted organelles and proteins. And um, as we previously mentioned, it breaks them down into amino acids and fatty acids. So this is being um, fed uh, back to either protein synthesis for cell survival or uh, back to the TCA cycle for ATP production, for energy production. So this is what autophagy does. And um, as we can see here, there are actually multiple pathways that can activate autophagy. This is quite a, uh, quite a complicated image, and I try to do my best in order to highlight a couple of key, um, uh, key pathways here. Um, this is actually from, from one of our review papers um, that, that got published at the Journal of Molecular Biology in 2020, um, where we're talking about uh, pluripotent stem cell models of neurodegenerative disorders by which you can study autophagy. Um, so as, as you can see here, there are all of these pathways that, that will lead to activation of autophagy. And then you also have uh, various um, um, compounds that can activate autophagy. Um, uh, yeah, the various pathways, such as, for example, here, the resveratrol and the NMN through the sirtuin-1 activation, which is also an indirect um, activator of autophagy um, or trehalose, as I previously mentioned, that you can put it in your coffee. And um, this is something that you can literally uh, buy off Amazon, um, lithium and so on. And in order to um, in order to, to, to activate this process, the first, the, the major signal, uh, the, major, um, the major kind of strategy to activate it would be just through fasting. Because when we are fasting, we do have this nutrient deprivation going on, and then um, different tissues will get into autophagy in, 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 in different timeframes as well. So for example, after 12 hours of fasting, you will get the autophagy at, activated in the liver. Um, mm. And then you, uh, other tissues issues will follow such as muscles and, and heart and so on. Um, so um, that's um, 
that should be the goal number one. And that's uh, that's why I personally am fasting for, for most of my day. I probably have a narrow window of around three, four hours a day where I'm fasting and I'm consuming calories, but the rest of it is just, you know, water and uh, maybe tea sometimes, but, but that's about it because I want to activate my autophagy. If you want to take it even further and you want to get more um, benefits from autophagy, of course, you can do um, a fast of two or three days, although this is something that not many people can do because it's actually quite challenging because you get very hungry and it's not easy to do. However, if someone wants to start and, and, and start getting the benefits of autophagy, they can just um, start doing the intermittent fasting on a daily basis and narrowing this window of food consumption as, uh, as much as possible. Hmm. I know that there are some people that also do one meal a day, and this kind of gives them a 23-hour fast, 23-24 hour fast every day. Uh, for me personally, this is kind of hard. I'm not doing it often. I'm I'm usually just having two meals uh, within this three-four hour time frame. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the main uh, kind of stimulus is this energy stress or uh, energy deprivation that uh, your body gets low in certain nutrients, and then the um, response is to start to uh, recycle them and uh, you know uh, clean out the the things that you don't need so that you could feed and survive the uh, healthier cell cell parts mm-hmm. yeah that's correct okay Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a slide here on, on how to measure autophagy, which is something that I know a lot of people wondering. And um, in the lab, it's actually quite easy to measure autophagy in the cells because we can measure what's called the autophagic flux by uh, measuring LC3, which is associated uh, a marker that is associated with the autophagosomes, the, the autophagy um, uh, vacuoles, and then uh, P62, which is the autophagy substrate. However, this is not possible to do in humans. So, and unfortunately, we don't have a direct way um, to, to measure autophagy at the moment. But what we can do is we can measure the glucose ketone index, uh, which is something doable. You can do this at home and you can measure your blood glucose. Um, and you can also measure your ketones. Um, and both of those measurements can be taken with a prick of a finger. And then you get this, um, this number, um, this index that would indicate whether uh, you are uh, most likely to be in autophagy or not. So for example, here, um, I, just, I, I just took um, uh, an even number here just uh, you know, for, for the sake of the example, so it would be easier to, to kind of visualize. So let's say your uh, blood glucose is 100. Um, uh, ideally, it would be uh, lower than 100 um, after, after fasting for some time. And then you're measuring your ketones that are now um, climbing um, you know, above 1.5. And then you divide these numbers and you get, uh, you get this index here. And depending on this number, for example, if it's below 80, it indicates that um, there is already a good uh, chance of being in autophagy. And if the number is below 40, for example, it indicates that, um, uh, you know, it's, um, there is a pretty big chance of you being in autophagy and anything um, uh, even uh, lower than this number, let's say uh, lower than 20, it's actually quite hard to achieve you would probably mm-hmm. be able to achieve it after a few days of fasting um and then supplementing with some exogenous ketones as well and then you would get a number uh, that would be let's say lower than 20. Mm-hmm. Right but, yeah this this is just um a guide on you know how to measure autophagy at home yeah, yeah. is there like any um 
work being done uh, on measuring it more directly besides the this ketone index like uh, having like some sort of a yeah like other biomarker for... yeah uh, that's the challenging part because um let's say we want to measure autophagy in humans and what happens is that um like we don't have a sophisticated way of doing this because let's say you can um you can take a saliva sample or you can take a blood sample from a human However, even if you do have a biomarker there that you would be able to measure, those biomarkers won't be correlated with the autophagy in different tissues. So that's the problem there. And this is why we don't have a more reliable blood test or, or saliva test at the moment, because it's very hard to, uh, let's say, um, you know, you have um, a, a biomarker that shows a value of, let's say, 10 for the sake of, of our example here in the blood. But then what would be the autophagy in the liver? Maybe it's five, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 20. We wouldn't be able to know. Um, so there is definitely more research that needs to be done in order for us to see how we can kind of calibrate uh, those values with a with a biomarker test. Um, but at the moment, there is there is nothing else available, unfortunately. Gotcha. What, what if you're uh, eating this uh, very uh, strict ketogenic diet and uh, you are producing a lot of ketones and your blood sugar is also quite low, so you should get this uh, very low uh, glucose ketone index. Uh, but let's say you ate something uh, right before uh, and you still get this uh, very low uh, score, uh, does it still mean that you are having autophagy uh, regardless that you just ate? Um, it depends on what you ate. So uh, we do have uh, fasting as a major activator of autophagy, but we also have fasting mimicking diets. So a fasting mimicking diet would be something where um, you consume, let's say, less than 750 calories a day. So it's actually quite, uh, you're still quite low on calories. Um, and then you also would want to, um, to kind of notice where those calories are coming from. So if you're not consuming more than 15 grams of protein, um, and, um, you know, you have, um, a small meal with, with not much protein in it and less than 750 calories, there is a chance that you would, would still be getting some benefits of autophagy. Gotcha. So you also need to be uh, careful with the protein then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm on a ketogenic diet myself and sometimes I'm leaning towards carnivore diet, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm quite enjoying my proteins, but what mm -hmm. I'm trying to do is that. Um, I'm trying to have some days, let's say one or two days a week, um, or, or I don't know, a few days a month where I'm actually consuming only vegan foods, uh, mm -hmm. for this purpose. So I'm low on calories, I'm consuming, um, you know, animal protein. And then, uh, those are my kind of a detox days from the, uh, from the high protein diet that I usually have in. And then I'm trying to maintain some of the autophagy benefits as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can carry on. Okay. So in terms of, um, you know, how to naturally boost autophagy, I think we already pretty much discussed about everything here. Um, you know, the, um, the exercise that we're doing when fasted, it's also very beneficial for the body. And then when we are, um, we're having some sauna sessions or some really hot shower sessions, uh, we do have, um, an effect where autophagy is also activated as well. So, um, all of the above 
itself would be uh, quite a good um, you know, starting point if you want to naturally boost your autophagy. And besides that, there are quite a few foods that could also help you boost your autophagy levels um, and, um, and maintain it, uh, even when you're consuming some calories. So those would be uh, something like elderberries, or MCT oil, which is basically giving you exogenous ketones, um, and then other supplements such as uh, curcumin and berberine, turmeric, milk thistle, and NAD boosters as well, because as I previously mentioned, um, NAD boosters are boosting the sirtuin-1 activity, and sirtuin-1 is actually an activator of autophagy through the TFAB and the FOXO transcription factors. So you will get those benefits if you're um, consistent with you know, supplements that can boost autophagy as well. And then, of course, with coffee, green tea, cinnamon, and, and some mushrooms, we also can get um, this effect where we're kind of boosting the, uh, um, the likelihood of being in autophagy. Mm -hmm. How, how uh, big is that effect? Like, um, let's say you do uh, drink a cup of coffee, like how much autophagy uh, can you expect to get uh, from that? It's not going to be much. And I think that um, the main takeaway message here is that if you're interested in your longevity and in your healthy aging and in, you know, in, in having multiple benefits, including autophagy, it's kind of a regime that um, you need to have on a, uh, on a regular basis. So, um, you know, healthy aging is kind of like a marathon. So every day you need to kind of be thinking okay what can i do today in order to um to in, in to enhance my healthy aging one of the tools is autophagy and um you know if you're not fasting and if you're not uh if you're eating like crap all the time Time, if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, um, you know, it would be naive to kind of expect, okay, I'll have a cup of uh, coffee or a green tea and I'll, I'll get a bit of my autophagy activated and this is it, you know, it's, um, it, it needs to be a battle against aging every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is what uh, I'm usually telling some of my friends and uh, they're looking at me like I'm an alien or something because I'm very passionate about it and I'm usually, um, you know, transferring a lot of emotions around as well with this. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with coffee specifically, it's not going to be a huge effect, but you know, if you are combining all of those things, so for example, my personal, um, uh, daily routine is to wake up, go, uh, do, um, a workout for about 45 minutes, or, um, I'm some, I sometimes am going for, for a walk or a hike for 45 minutes, um, and then I will have my coffee. I will have my NAD booster as well in the morning. I will have my NMN uh, with a teaspoon of um, olive oil, which is um, which contain uh, oleic acid that is actually also a sirtuin-1 activator. And then I will have my coffee as well. So uh, this is my morning routine. And all of those things kind of are contributing to, uh, you know, to boosting my autophagy. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. What are the foods like like uh, inhibited, like besides protein or? Uh, I think the main one is the protein. To be honest with you, um, I think that's the, the the main kind because there are so um, uh, the. Uh, meats are nutrient dense in general. So for this reason, um, you know, any protein would would kind of inhibit autophagy. Mm -hmm. gotcha. mm -hmm. Okay, and I think that was it for my presentation. Yep. Good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Thanks for uh, yeah, sharing. That was a really good uh, overview. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have any other questions for me? Yeah, well, um, you uh, did 
mentioned like the uh, NAD uh, boosting as well. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so how does that work? Like uh, how does how does energy uh, contribute to uh, autophagy and uh, how can you like leverage it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, NAD is basically a master regulator of human metabolism. So it's a very important molecule in the cell and it's um, it's responsible for, for fuel in multiple processes, including energy production through the TCA cycle and, um, you know, the, the subsequent ATP production. Not only that, but it also fuels our, um, our longevity genes called sirtuins. So uh, those are implicated in mitochondrial production, mitochondrial quality control um, on DNA repair and so all the list is basically endless. And when we are on a healthy regime where we are boosting our autophagy and we're boosting our NAD with either supplements or uh, exercise as well. And for this reason, uh, actually, um, we, we previously mentioned sauna, but actually any kind of hormesis, any kind of artificial stress for the body, even if it's a cold shower, for example, this would also um, have a very beneficial effect because it will also boost the NAD production and activate the sirtuins. So um, uh, NAD production and um, uh, autophagy enhancement are kind of going hand in hand in the cell. And if you are following those holistic principles of, you know, of, of healthy routine on a daily basis, you will get both of them activated. Um, there are even some foods that are containing some um, uh, some, some, some nutrients and some compounds that can activate NAD. Um, for example, broccoli and avocado both contain small amounts of NMN, which, is, which stands for nicotinamide mononucleotide, which is an NAD uh, precursor, and it converts into NAD in one step within the cell. Uh, however, the amounts that those foods have is quite small, and that's the reason why people are opting for, um, for NAD boosting supplements, such as NMN, such as the one that we are offering with our company, and of course, all of our supplements are always third party tested in the UK. And we also encapsulate package and store them in the UK uh, for this matter. And um, yeah, it's basically a part of your uh, of your kind of longevity strategy. So um, it's uh, this might sound controversial because I'm selling supplements myself. But at the same time, I want to say that there is no one magical pill that will make, uh, you know, all of the bad stuff go away and will make you live forever, right? So it needs to be an effort on a daily basis. So you will have a look at your supplements, you will have a look at your autophagy activation, um, you know, you want to be eating healthy obviously no carbs uh, as less carbs as possible actually and i can't stress this enough uh you know i think this is one of um, the greatest biohacks that uh someone could implement is to ditch sugar and carbs because you know everything changes once you do that because your insulin doesn't go up and down all all day long um during the day so th this is a big deal for your body because actually this makes you age faster um and yeah, I mean, I think that uh, once you have this, um, this, this strategy, and once you are very conscious about what you're doing on a daily basis for your body, you will get the autophagy activation and you will get the NAD boost and activation as well. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, both of them, like the wood fasting also help with NAD uh, production then, or the similar ones that increase autophagy, like exercise and saunas, and uh, mm -hmm. would they also have like a boosting effect on NAD? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It will have a very good effect on NAD as well. And, um, you know, another one that is 
Um, another um, hormesis basically for the body would be when you're working out and you're running out of breath, because this means that you're going into hypoxia. Um, and this means that you're having less ox oxygen that you actually need at the moment. Um, and this also boosts, um, um, you know, your, um, your NAD production and your sirtuin genes eventually, because this mechanism kicks in and it says, okay, so the environment is not ideal at the moment. So I need to upregulate multiple pathways in the cell in order to survive. And in order to make sure that, um, you know, everything works as well as it can, um, because maybe there is some sort of a danger in the environment, maybe you run into, um, you know, to, to hide from a predator or something like this. So it's kind of a evolutionary conserved mechanism of survival. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. With NAD, with, does that have also like some negative side effects? similar to autophagy like that would it help with cancer because i did find some one article from the texas entity um if they if they have like some these mice maybe if they had like some pre-genetic disposition to cancer then this nad actually also contributed to uh like the negative side effects of that yeah, I, well, what happens with cancer is that we're still are trying to elucidate the link between cancer and NAD because there have been multiple studies. So there, there's been another human study, for example, uh, where there were patients that previously had skin cancer and they've been uh, given NAD. NAD boosting supplements, and actually, not only they didn't get more cancer, but the um, the the NAD supplementation actually made sure that more healthier cells are produced. So um, what we're seeing is that um, there is more, uh, there needs to be more research in different kinds of cancer in order for us to understand whether there are some cancers that are more sensitive to, um, to NAD boosting or not. Um, uh, it's quite complicated, but at the same time, there is no solid evidence in, in human studies at the moment saying that um, NAD boosting compounds can actually give you cancer or contribute to growth to existing cancers. However, if someone and does have um, a tumor, um, you know, they, they should definitely check with their doctors first before taking an NAD supplement. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, generally, it's uh, so something that usually people um, may want to consider if they're already like middle age and uh, the elderly and the younger people, um, for them, their body is already supposed to be producing uh, sufficient amounts of NAD and autophagy. And for them, the supplementation route, maybe not that, like at least like all, not all the time they don't need to do that all the time um yeah. periodically maybe but uh consistently regularly uh may not be yeah. like the best strategy yeah i think that um the peak of our NAD production is around 25 years of age, which correlates with our hormonal peak. So uh, after 25, this is where people usually start complaining about um, getting tired more easily or having less focus and things like that. And I literally haven't met any one person that would tell me, look, you know what, I actually have never felt what you're talking about. Uh, you know, everyone is usually getting tired around the age of 26 or 27 more, um, more easily. And that's, um, that's the age where you know you need to ask yourself whether you would like to try it out and to see if you know an NAD booster would be beneficial for you. Although, I've, as I said, you know if you are at this um, young age, you actually should be having a healthy lifestyle anyway, and you know be exercising and doing all the other stuff which mo most of people uh, don't do nowadays, unfortunately. And you know we're talking about um, you know the current pandemic and you know this COVID 
COVID infection and everything, but the actual pandemic is the pandemic of obesity and diabetes and pre-diabetes, because I've seen some, some crazy statistics recently that we're talking about uh, something like uh, maybe up to 80% of adults in the, in the Western countries um, having pre-diabetes. And I said, what, like this, this can't be true. This is ridiculous. And then I looked around and realized that, yeah, everyone is eating desserts every day and it's, it's the norm. And actually this is very sad because it's not the norm and shouldn't be the norm because that's definitely not what your body needs. It doesn't need all this insulin spikes all day long. And this is what we're doing. You know, like everyone's snacking every two hours or whatever biscuits, chocolates, this is, um, th this is so wrong. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I can't stress how wrong it is. So, you know, and that's part, that's the part of the problem. That's part of why young people already start having this, this decline in energy as well, because they're actually not very healthy. And even if you are considering yourself healthy, and this was, this was an epiphany I had like something like three years ago, because I do have normal weight and um, I do have a normal BMI and I, I was like skinny for, for the most of my life. And I was actually telling myself, oh yeah, I'm actually healthy, I'm fine. And then I started working out on a more regular basis um, when I was finishing my PhD and I realized, oh, wait a minute, I actually don't have any endurance at all. <laughs> and you know, I'm not healthy just because I'm skinny, just because I'm not a bit, I'm not healthy. And I need to kind of uh, keep on pushing myself. And, you know, I've been working out much more regularly lately uh, for the past uh, 18 months or so because um, you know I'm, I'm not tied to my lab work um, anymore after the finish of my PhD so that's definitely a, a good factor there <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah I, um, I, I, I kind of think that um, it's a very it's a very important thing to kind of get people informed about the benefits of healthy lifestyle and there are some catchy phrases that they they would hear here and there on the internet but actually no um i would urge anyone that is uh, listening to us right now to ask themselves okay on a scale of one to ten how healthy uh i i actually am okay and then you can have uh you can have a cheat sheet with with different measurements saying okay uh, in terms of nutrition on a scale of one to ten how how healthy my nutrition was today and then on a scale of one to ten how much did i work out today or um you know healthy biorhythms uh, sleeping as well is something very important because this is where our body is regenerating and sometimes we're um you know like people are going to sleep at ridiculous times at like four or five a.m and then your circadian rhythms are, are all wrong and this makes you uh you know age uh, worse and age faster and it, this is definitely not health, you know? So it's a, I think that it's a holistic approach to aging that um, what matters. And so, I'm sorry, I got a bit of topic here, but I'm just really passionate about <laughs> no, the subject. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree completely that um, people nowadays are older biologically than they are chronologically. So they are following these bad lifestyle habits that accelerates their biological age. And uh, yeah, you can be, let's say 25, but if you have the body of a 35-year-old or a 45-year-old, 40, then, yeah, you will feel tired and uh, exhausted mm -hmm. all the time. So, yeah, what it matters more so, yeah, like the, how the lifestyle habits uh, contribute to the uh, process of biological aging and uh, things like uh, high blood sugar, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity, uh, yeah. poor, poor sleep, all those things that will reduce, like, the energy levels as well as, you know, just the general uh, health deterioration of your health in general. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the uh, missing link of, what, what should be focused on? 
Yeah, that's a very good point because actually there are quite a few things that actually drain our NAD levels because we do have multiple enzymes competing for uh, the consumption of NAD. One of this uh, class of enzymes is the sirtuin genes that we already talked about. And then you have the PARP genes and the CD38, which is a marker of inflammation. So uh, as we age, uh, CD38 is being increased in the cell. And then you're having, because you do have those senescent cells in the body. So senescent cells are the zombie cells that are just sitting there and, uh, you know, doing nothing, just secreting some inflammatory signals to turn uh, the neighboring cells into senescent cells as well. And this is what we have if we don't actively get rid of them. And by the way, on that note, there is um, there are different supplements you can take as well, such as quercetin that would get rid of your senescent cells and things like that. Um, and then um, you have the senescent cells that are uh, increasing with age. So your CD38 is increasing with age, which consumes NAD. And then and now your sirtuin genes don't have enough NAD to kind of be repairing other things in the in the cell. Um, not only that, but there are actually some 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 other um, things some uh, during your day. So for example, if you're being exposed to sunlight, you have um, DNA damage on your skin. So now your NAD is being drained because all of this DNA damage needs to be repaired. So it's all mm -hmm. about conscious living on a daily basis and kind of yeah. analyzing what are the consequences of what are you doing on a daily basis? Because, um, you know, being exposed to, to the sun um, for a prolonged period of time is definitely not good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So also, so like in the summertime, there was a study that found the, the, uh, the uh, body uses NMN to actually uh, repair or resist like the UV radiation. And if you are, you know, not having enough NAD or not enough having enough NMN, then you're going to get burned also much faster because you yeah. don't have like the yeah. resources. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all about preserving your um, your internal resources. And NAD is definitely a very important resource to, to kind of think about and to kind of preserve as well. Hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, but uh, in regards to autophagy, is that something also that uh, gets uh, lower as you age? Um, unfortunately, yes. So our ability to um, to kind of be in autophagy is decreasing with age. Um, however, I think that, you know, if you are conscious about it and if you're doing your fasting on a regular basis, if you're doing intermittent fasting, um, you, you can make your body kind of to, to get used to be in autophagy as well. So again, it's like a long-term kind of process where you need to be implementing the intermittent fasting on a regular basis in order to make sure you're you're still getting as much autophagy as possible mm -hmm. how would you you know like rank these uh, things um in terms of uh the autophagy so uh fasting is one but exercise is also saunas coffee is like uh which one do you think is like the best <laughs> for uh, boosting the autophagy process and uh, which ones may not be like you know mm -hmm. not, not, not worth it yeah i think that fasting is number one then exercise would be number two um, and then, you know, you would probably have, um, you know, MCT oil, for example, which, which is boosting your exogenous ketones. So for this reason, it, it, it kinds of, um, it contributes to, to, you know, to increase in autophagy as well. Um, and then from there, number four would be, uh, everything else that we mentioned, some like elderberries and mushrooms and, and the coffee and everything. So it's the least important one, but, you know, again, you do everything as a system on a daily basis, and then you get the optimal result. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, for your own lifestyle, you are doing, you know, fasting, or what are you, what else are you doing? Like, uh, are you taking any of these, uh, 
autophagy boosters like you know rapamycin or uh, metformin, anything like that? Yeah, so rapamycin I wouldn't take because rapamycin is acting on mTOR, right? So as we previously mentioned, they are mTOR-dependent autophagy pathways and mTOR-independent. So mTOR is also um, uh, responsible for growth and translation in the cell. And this means that um, we don't know what would be the long-term consequences when we are taking an mTOR-dependent um, autophagy booster uh, because uh, we, we still don't know uh, many things about how mTOR works. And if we are um, suppressing it, because rapamycin is a suppressor of mTOR, as mTOR is actually a negative regulator of autophagy. So if, if mTOR is switched on, autophagy is switched off. If you switch off mTOR, then you get autophagy. Um, so for this reason, I wouldn't take rapamycin, but I would consider taking some, some mTOR independent supplements. So, uh, you know, microdosing with lithium, for example, could be an mTOR independent autophagy strategy. And then um, trehalos, as I uh, previously mentioned, I wanted to try spermidine. I, I've heard a lot of it. I've seen some studies in, in mice and in cells as well uh, with regards to spermidine. A vitamin D has also been shown to be an mTOR independent autophagy activator. Um, so I am uh, regularly supplementing with vitamin D. Um, so then, yeah, that's, uh, that's my strategy in terms of supplement for autophagy. And then, of course, I'm taking my NAD boosters. I'm taking um, NMN from NMN Bio. Um, um, we are uh, launching our second product now in a few days, actually. It's called TMG, trimethylglycine, which is a glycine molecule with three methyl groups on it. And then um, it's a, an excellent um, addition to supplementation with NMN because NMN is utilizing the methyl groups, but then you're giving them back with the TMG. Um, so it's quite a nice supplement. I also take berberine instead of metformin. So um, because I live in Europe, it's actually hard to, to get metformin here. And I would probably need um, uh, a person prescription, which I don't have because I don't have diabetes, but Berberine is the uh, the uh, the herbal analog of metformin, and um, I'm taking this on a regular basis as well. Um, what else do I take? I really like my rhodiola, which is an nootropic, um, nootropic herb. Uh, magnesium threonate, uh, which is also good for your brain, but also for sleeping. Um, glycine as well. Um, so yeah, I kind of have my own stack uh, uh, of supplements as well. <laughs> nice, yeah. Those are pretty good ones. Uh, I think like melatonin is also um, something that does activate histology mm -hmm. because the well the hormone hormone yeah. itself the natural hormone uh, also regulates the process of autology yeah. in, in your sleep so maybe the supplement will also mm -hmm. have this yeah i actually i also have experimented with melatonin it's a very interesting supplement i'm still trying to kind of see what is the optimal dose for myself in terms of melatonin because if i take something like one mg it's actually too much and mm -hmm. then it's uh, it's kind of hard to wake up <laughs> so i need to get another supplement that would be uh, that would have less melatonin um but yeah it actually has been shown to have multiple benefits on health uh, including autophagy and also increasing insulin sensitivity, which is a study that I recently have seen somewhere. And I, I, I thought that it's very interesting because it's a sleep hormone, but surprisingly yeah. it has to do with, um, with regulating insulin levels as well. So mm -hmm. quite an important hormone and quite an interesting supplement in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, uh, almost like an anti-aging hormone uh, besides the sleep that, uh, it, uh, autophagy, yeah. apoptosis and, uh, the uh, brain and like, lymphatic system and yeah, bone, bone health. And so, yeah, many, many, many other things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. 
you also mentioned this uh, trehalos, and uh, most yeah. people haven't heard of it. Like, so what it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so trehalos is just a disaccharide. So this means that it's basically uh, a sugar. Uh, it's a natural compound. It's natural sugar, and um, some people just replace. Um, uh, replace their, their regular sugar with trehalose. However, uh, you know, there are pros and cons because it is a sugar. So if you have too much of it, it's going to, to you know, to have uh, an insulin spike, um, to result in an insulin spike. So that's not very good, I guess. Um, so yeah, you know, um, opinions vary on this one because um, ideally you wouldn't uh, be consuming any sugars at all but you know if you want to put something in order to make your coffee um, you know um, a bit more sweet uh, then trehalose would be the way to go instead of regular sugar and then I also personally am using um, a ketogenic creamer for my coffee as well um, that I really like and I think you also recommend one of those in your uh, on your website mm -hmm. yeah, yeah like the MCTs uh... Are a great way to boost the ketones and if i'm not mistaken or at least like I, I, there is research shows that the uh, ketones themselves don't uh suppress autophagy even if they're like a, a bit of more calories so uh that can be something like you can get away with a little bit more of calories if you're eating uh, like a slightly yeah. uh, mct type of a diet yeah yeah so definitely very good stuff there hmm. um yeah w what else like is there something that we didn't cover that you uh, want to talk about uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. I think this was a lot of information, actually. So um, I would be very curious to uh, to kind of read the comments of your audience to see what they think about this episode and whether there is anything else that um, they would perhaps like us to cover in the future as well. I would be happy to kind of uh, come over to the channel again because I really enjoy this these conversations. And yeah, I think that uh, the take home message is to stay healthy for as long as possible and to actively work for it um, on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is. Um, before I ask my last question, um, where can people learn more about you and your work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they can head over our website, uh, which is nmnbio.co.uk. And we actually have quite a lot of resources on the website as well. So we have a blog with um, blog posts written either by myself or a scientific writer, where we explain, um, you know, more things about NAD, sirtuins, NMN, and all of this stuff. We're trying to um, always have references to the studies that were mentioned in the blog posts and so on. So people can come and read uh, about this and of course they can get uh, some of our NMN uh, from the website as well and uh, uh, very uh, soon they will be able to get the TMG as well and we're also working on a couple of proprietary products at the moment and hopefully we will be launching those very soon as well. <laughs> awesome yeah we're gonna put the links in the show notes and uh, uh, my, my last question is uh, what's this one piece of advice or habit that you wish you adopted sooner? Um, to cut the sugar from my life yes i wish i had this advice sooner because you know i i didn't realize how important this is and when i started studying it myself um you know i was just so surprised uh, how important this is and how simple this advice is and how people are um you know unaware of how important this is for their health hmm. yeah absolutely yeah it's uh well yeah well, maybe it, like depends on your age like if you're young then you can probably get away with it and uh, you can recover from that because your body uh is more resilient uh, whereas if you're yeah like in your 40s or 60s then uh 
having like a, like a bad diet um, or excess sugar consumption uh, has a worse uh, negative effect on your health because you already are low in all these resources and it's harder to recover. But in, in your young uh, years, yeah, like although like a lot of kids uh, eat, let's say sugar, and then uh, they're still healthy in their later life because their body was so uh, like insulin sensitive and very, um, mm-hmm. very adaptable to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you will get away with it uh, better, but at the same time, um, we are seeing increasing rates of of type two diabetes yeah. uh, all around the planet, even in you know in teenage years, which is really heartbreaking. So I think that you know, like um, you you can um, deal with it better, but this doesn't mean that you you still uh, should consume it. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Like. Um it's uh, very easy to avoidable for most people. Yeah. Well, it was great talking with you and uh, yeah, super excited about all the things that are coming out with NAD and uh, esophagus as well. And yeah, looking forward to your future uh, work. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.